Hill misses. Rebound goes to the Cavs. J.R. Smith brings it back out. Throws it to Hill. Hill shot blocked. And we'll go to overtime. You get the feeling J.R. Smith thought they had the lead. Solo, get in the flow, and you can picture like a photo. Music makes mellow, maintains to make melodies for MCs, motivates to breaks. I'm everlasting. I can go on for days and days with rhyme displays that engrave deepest X rays. I can take a phrase that's rarely heard. Flip it, now it's a daily word. Hey, how you guys doing? This is producer from Brothers Comics. Welcome to Last Night in the Association, our NBA recap show. Uh, the sound coming in is two things that can never be forgotten. Uh, but we'll talk about him here in a second. On the line tonight uh, is my favorite point guard. He's going to get buckets. It's Will Stacks. Will Stacks in the house. What's up? What's up? What's up? Some incredible sound. And like you said, we will definitely not forget either one of these. Yeah, we'll do the good first as Rakim brings us in. This is our 28th podcast over the course of the season. Um, I'm not sure if we had Rakim on the podcast yet. Do you think? Uh, I think we had him one other time. All right. uh, I think we said it's been a long time, but uh, yeah, Rock Kim, he should have been on more. He's one of the best of all time, so definitely yeah. uh, I could have been on many more times. Yeah, so follow the leader. We'll take us out at the end, and, and Stax will explain why he picked uh, Rock Kim to bring us out in that particular song. But the opening intro there is the sound from ABC with the call from Mike Breen uh, and the ABC crew, Mark Jackson and with Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, let's get into these finals, man. We're in the first two games. The Warriors take a 2-0 lead. Game one was probably one of the most exciting games uh, in most recent NBA finals, but also an absolute tragedy that happens at the end, especially if you're a Cavs fan. So we'll just get right into it. Uh, what do you think of JR's blunder at the end of game one? Well, let's talk about the game in totality and finish out with JR. Towards the end, the game itself, as you mentioned, probably one of the best, uh, most competitive NBA final games, you know, where it was back and forth close pretty much throughout uh, an outstanding ball game. Everybody on the edge of their seats, uh, but which way is it going to go? And it really came, uh, you know, down to the stretch. LeBron did his absolute thing, dropping 51, uh, 51, 8 and 8, some incredible numbers. Um, even, you know, got some contribution, you know, from George Hill, and we'll talk about him as well. Uh, but uh, some some great uh, some great basketball on both ends, on both ends. Uh, even the coaching, I got to give it up to Ty Lue. The game plan was, was intact, and it was being executed by the Cavs to uh, hey, run the three, run the, the Warriors off the threes, you know, make them settle drive to the basket, and they got lots of twos, not as many threes. In game one, Steve Kerr countered, you know, with some, some moves as well, some great ball, just great basketball. But it came down to the play that you mentioned. Uh, George Hill, the opportunity to uh, put the Cavs up one, misses the free throw with 4.5, I believe was the exact time on the clock. Um but lo and behold, Kevin Durant can't get the rebound. J.R. Smith gets the rebound and dribbles out. 
uh, and everyone is kind of just befuddled. What in the world is going on? And so many things you could talk about that we will definitely on that play. But J.R. Smith, uh, I'm still still trying to figure out. We know he didn't know the score, but still, in any instance, go right back up with that. So, um, and hey. Once the game went overtime, I think uh, it was pretty much over from that point because uh, I think Cleveland had uh, shot their wad, if you will. I think it was yeah. pretty, much done. <laughs> that was pretty much done at that point. Yeah. Uh, it, it is a play that will live in infamy for an all-time blunder, especially if they wind up losing the series. You're right. LeBron does everything he possibly can to drag him to the finish line, 51-8-8. and Um they and, and again, when George Hill is getting a pass through this whole thing because of Jr.'s blunder, he's an eighty percent free throw shooter, and he absolutely butt tighted that second one. I mean, it barely hit the rim where it bounces off. Uh, so right, and and I totally agree with that. He's uh, Jr. Smith will get all the memes and all the uh, memory, like you said, will live on in NBA highlights forever and ever. But George Hill definitely. That would be a definition of a choke. He really uh, – that that was not a good free throw, not a good release. Definitely, as you mentioned, barely drew iron. But then J.R. Smith had the ball, and then lots of other things could have happened, in my opinion, as well. Unbeknownst to many, Cleveland still had a timeout. So mm-hmm. even at that time when J.R. Smith dribbled out, I know everybody was shocked. What are you doing? But still at that point, somebody – should at that point should have called timeout to say, mm-hmm. well, what are you doing? Call timeout. Let's talk about it. So there could have been some uh, other people, everybody else on the court, uh, got to know that situation as well. So um, the rest of the Cavs, uh, you know, they they should catch a piece of that as well, Jr. just to uh, get the most of it. And like I said, yeah. once the game went into overtime, you know, Cleveland was so emotionally spent. Not to mention physically, but I think the emotion of that whole last sequence absolutely drained them. They had nothing left for overtime, and it was uh, it was a done deal at that point. And uh, we'll even get to how that carried over to game two, in my opinion, uh, in yeah. just a bit. But uh, they were pretty much done at that point. Yeah, it. He could have gone back up with it. He could have sent it out to LeBron, who was essentially wide open. You know, maybe probably five feet behind the three-point arc, but well within his range. I mean, there were so many options. Uh, he, it's, it goes down again in basketball, blunders. Uh, if this is C-Webb's timeout, blunder. This is Isaiah trying to sneak the ball past Larry Bird and Lambeer uh, in the Easter Conference Finals, and I think it was 1988. I mean, it, this is bad, dude. It's just really, really bad. Yeah, it was just uh, it was exa- all things were pointing in cavalier way in their direction uh, for that sequence. You know, George Hill, he's going to put us up one. They're going to make Golden State win it. Oh, that doesn't happen. But Jr. gets the rebound. Oh, we still got a chance. Doesn't happen there. And and it was everything was lined up for Cleveland to steal one in Oakland and. Um, didn't happen. They did everything uh, necessary for 41 minutes and 56 seconds, but the last four, 40, 40 was it 47 minutes and 56 yeah. seconds, but that last four 
uh, they just um, didn't execute, and that cost them the game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I, whew, yeah, we'll talk about it and have the rollover for game two and move even further from that. All right, so the final score lines up being 124-114, which is probably not indicative of actually how close the game was. Um, but there's also part of this is the referees. Uh, rewind that from that 4.5 seconds. About 30 seconds prior to that, uh, or, or excuse me, not 30 seconds, but prior to that we get a referee call where the refs wind up calling an offensive foul on Kevin Durant, uh, then go to the review to see if uh, LeBron was in the restricted area. He was well outside of the restricted area. They changed the call to a block on LeBron, and which should have been the Cavs up to and possession winds up being uh, a tie game after Durant hits both free throws. What did you think of the call? Uh, well, the call, the call, I believe, indeed, was a block. I think LeBron was not in good defensive position. I think it was a block. Uh, however, once you go to the monitor, and as they kept saying on the on the broadcast, that they're going to the monitor to see if he's in the restricted area, which, as you mentioned, he clearly was not. Um, and once you saw that, to me, you play on at that point. You go with the call, whatever the call was, you stick with that call. You do not reverse a and block charge is the hardest call to make uh, for any referee, and then to overturn it because of the review. That is that's heartbreaking for uh, everyone uh, associated with Cleveland. Uh, all the fans in uh, Cleveland had a uh, might have threw something at the TV. All at that same moment, uh, that was uh, that's, that was a tough pill to swallow right there to overturn uh, a a judgment call, a block call, a judgment call. Okay, LeBron, again, I don't think he was in good position. I think it was a block. I think a block was the correct call. However, once the charge was called and he was not in the restricted area. You stick with that call. You don't overturn that judgment call. That was that was absolutely uh, ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I thought they got the call right too. It looked like a block from the beginning for me. I was like, that's not a charge. But yeah, you cannot. And most people didn't even know that that rule existed. And it seemed like the referees were doing a makeup call uh, for maybe something that had happened previous the, to get that shot prior. No, no question about it. I think makeup calls. Uh, was definitely in the in the mix there, and um, and then they overturned that, and you know that, you know, to me, what immediately flashed back to me when that happened was the tuck rule in yeah. uh, snowy Foxborough against the Oakland Raiders. That was what immediately came to my mind when they overturned that call. I said, man, this is a tuck rule on the court. Uh, same type of deal. Everybody knew. Oh, it's, the game was over in Foxborough. Everybody knew. Oh, it was a charge. But then you overturn. Brady goes through. Boom. Overturn. Durant makes the free throws. Changes the game. Huge, huge play for somebody who didn't have, you know, something to do with the game. Was not a player in the game. That's difficult to swallow when the refs play a huge role in the outcome. And it's kind of weird because that late in games, they they tend to swallow those whistles 
and it wasn't a call that you could make. I guess you couldn't swallow it. They had to make some version of a call. The the back judge had a different call than the dude under the basket who called it a, uh, like a charge at the beginning. But the back, but he kind of paused it with the back judge. It was like, you know, he must have called it a block from there. So it it was messed up from the beginning. It gets all your NBA conspiracies out, which tend to be ridiculous. If there was an NBA conspiracy, I, I would firmly believe that the NBA wanted wants the Cleveland to win, not Golden State. <laughs> Uh, especially that game, especially yeah. that game, you know, to, to start off, uh, to A, avoid uh, a, even the talk of a sweep, to, to yeah. uh, uh, put Cleveland up, put them in the driver's seat, all those types of things. So, yeah, I throw the conspiracy out the window, but on the same note, uh, it's just a call that is uh, very difficult to, to overturn in that fashion. Again, yeah. I think it was a block. But once it's called, it's called, charge was called, you don't overturn that, and he was clearly out of the restricted area. Yeah, yeah it was not a good look for the refs, and they continued in the game too, which was <laughs> touch on a little bit too. But look, home, team, home teams get called. So, and as, you know, people are being like completely outraged by this whole thing. I'm like, they're, they're the home team. They're going to get the majority of the calls. That's been played out statistically over time. It is what it is. It was just in the moment, like with that much time left and as big of a call it was, it just made it a bigger – it put a bigger spotlight on it. All right. Yeah. Let's get to LeBron's game. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I was just uh, continuing to throw in the, the whole tuck rule comparison because, uh, again, yeah. that's, uh, that, was, that was my immediate thought, immediate. Yeah. It's home cooking. All right. Let's get to LeBron's game. We already talked about the actual statistics parts about it. Uh, do you see it as an all-time performance, even though they lost? And then we got to get to uh, his leadership style here as we get to as it heads to overtime. Well, um, yeah, I think that was. I, I still will always go with his uh, twenty-nine point performance against uh, the Pistons with his first uh, group he took to the finals, um, where he scored. I think 27 out of 29 in a row, uh, you know, against Detroit as the best LeBron has ever played for a segment. But for an entire game, I mean, that was an absolute virtuoso performance uh, by the king, LeBron. I mean, he was in control of every part of his game. The jumper was falling. He was getting to the rack. He was distributing uh he, he was he was in total control of his game and that was a performance definitely for the ages uh and it was it was under control it was a a 51 that was under control it wasn't uh flailing threes and they were going in yeah he shot a few threes but it was a nice mixture a mixed bag of going to the basket getting the switch and once he got the correct, when he got Curry, attack. I'm attacking Curry. Anytime the switch was there, I pull up the jumper. I hit the jumper. You know, just total control of his game. That was an outstanding basketball performance by LeBron James. And he did everything he could to get them to that point, which made the the JR blunder um, all the more terrible. And we've seen all the faces. We've seen all the memes with him looking at Jr. with that look on his face. You know, I posted mine up. But that's my mom's face when I forgot to take the chicken out of the refrigerator before she got home. Uh, 
Like that is every possible face that you could imagine. But then when you see the the uncut video of the timeout as they're waiting in between during the TV timeout before overtime starts, you see them go to the bench, and this is three and a half minutes of absolute silence. He doesn't look at J.R. Smith. He doesn't speak to J.R. Smith. He doesn't talk to anybody else on the team. And probably within that three minutes, probably around the two-plus-minute mark, he looks towards Ty Lue and asks, Do we, did we have any timeouts? And Ty Lue says, yeah, we had one. And then he just goes into absolute sulk mode, towel over the face, slumps into the chair. Just, uh, uh, not a good look in, in terms of um, – and <laughs> it's just not a good look in terms of the visual. So – People are questioning it. Is that is that LeBron being a bad leader? Is that just him being human and emotions of the game at that moment? Is it a little bit of both? Uh, you know, where where do you see that? Well, I, I would lean more towards the emotion of the moment. The emotion of the moment, uh, you know, was draining. You know, like I said, more emotionally than physically. Yeah, I'm sure there was some physical. Uh, fatigue, but, you know, a, a segment like that, you know, was emotionally draining for LeBron, for for the entire Cavs nation, uh, it was draining, um, you know, but on the same note, he has to know that we have a timeout. That had to have been discussed previously, uh, everybody on the court and even those off the court should have known the situation like hey we do have a timeout in the bank if needed boom so we have that so that is something he should have known so he has to own that but from the leadership standpoint you have to say hey all right hey what's done is done let's move on let's go ahead and let's continue to play in overtime but you say LeBron didn't say many words until you know about halfway through that I don't think there were hardly any words said by <laughs> anyone. I think everyone was just in a state of, of oh, no, we we might let this one go. And like I said, at that point, you know, Golden State had all the momentum uh, going into overtime because Cleveland was totally deflated at that moment. So, um, yes, LeBron can absorb some of that not showing leader and, and no one, not, not even Ty Luke. Uh, really stepped up and probably said, hey, all right, hey, it's over. Let's move on. Let's play. You know, I, I believe Ty Lue was probably still stuck on the block charge change. Um, yeah. If anything, he was probably still stuck on that. Um, you know, so all those instances in that in that last minute, um, you know, obviously cost the Cavs the game, but, you know, it changed a lot of mental perspective on finishing the game and the Cavs weren't able to finish and um, we saw the end result. Yeah, I, 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 I'm giving him a pass in that regard because he did everything he could. I mean, could he have been like, yeah, come on, JR, put my arm around you, you know, you got this or whatever. He could have done that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit unforgiving for everybody that's on that bench. I mean, how many assistant coaches they probably have on that bench? Nine? Oh, yeah, <laughs> Somebody could have called a timeout, something, anything. I mean, it's just—I mean—it's ridiculous how nobody, nobody knew the game time situation there. I mean, and again, even LeBron should have known there was a timeout when he gets the rebound to him to turn to the ref because he's top of the key. He's got a ref no more than four feet from him to get right. that timeout. So, so I mean, yeah, 
I don't know. Uh, he he did everything that he could. I'm willing to give him a pass in this instance. Um, yeah, I, I, it was rough. All right, we, we talked a lot about the team that didn't win the game. We got to talk about the team that did win. Uh, again, they win by 10, not indicative of how close the game actually was. Steph is the leading scorer with 29 points. Uh, not on a great shooting night for him, but they win the game by 10. They didn't necessarily play their best. Uh, Durant doesn't have a great night. Clay doesn't have a great night after he gets uh, taken out, really, by um, J.R. Smith early in the first quarter. Are they lucky, good, or both? Uh, I'll say both. Uh, a, they're lucky, obviously, with the sequences that we just talked about uh, in depthly there. But, but good enough, you know, uh, a team, you know, they talk about starting pitching in baseball. You know, you know a true ace, you know, thinking of a, a Greg Maddox where he didn't have his good stuff but he was still able to stay in the game and keep his team in the game. And that's what uh, Golden State did. They didn't have their their good stuff, if you will. Uh, they weren't clicking on all cylinders, if you will. However, they still did enough to hang around, to even be in the position where, hey, if they stumble, we can still capitalize. And they were right there to capitalize uh, when Cleveland made their errors. So, you know, that's what good teams do. Even if you're not at your best, you still are able to win some games. And hey, a game in the NBA Finals is definitely one you got to have. Yeah, uh, they come out of it. Um, I, yeah, I, I, at that point, I was just thinking that they were lucky. Uh, yeah, they were good when they needed to be. But, man, that, they just got so lucky. And it changed the whole series. I mean, if they, went, if they lose that game, it's a completely different series in a lot of different ways. Um but, yeah, so they escaped that game, escaped out of game one. Uh, the NBA has their ridiculous freaking playoff schedule where there's a full three days off. Now, headed into this game, too, did you think that was a good thing for Cleveland? I thought it was for LeBron because, I mean, you don't get 51 points without being beat up physically. So what? is that a good thing? Did you think J.R. needed the time off, the mental aspects? What did you think heading into game two? Well, I think, yeah, again, Cavs, the entire Cavs organization needed those three days, definitely. Um, I agree the schedule, you know, three days in between is long. But, uh, yeah, if anybody needed it, it was indeed Cleveland. Um, but on the same note, um, they needed that time, but they also had time to really reflect on, man, what could I have done? What I'm sure and that's what the entire team probably did. Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? You know, because, again, uh, and I think that showed in game two to an extent where I didn't think they had any chance at all in game two um, because they let one slip in game one. I I had a feeling uh, the route would be on in in game two, and uh, they played well in stretches, they being Cleveland. But uh, I think we saw, quote, unquote, uh, Golden State ball. Uh, more so in game two, uh, you know, clicking on all cylinders, um, you know, especially led by Steph Curry. Yeah, with the days off in between, as Jr. went with the, oh, I knew what the score was at the at the end of the game, you know, to the, yeah, I, I didn't know what the score was. He even mouthed it on the court that I, I thought we was up. I thought we were up one, and, you know, he kind of came to that realization. I'm like, oh, okay, you know. That's at least a part of the healing process, you know, admit that you were wrong and now let's go. Uh, but when they get to the openings, uh, the fans in Oakland, you know, giving the MVP chant, absolutely <laughs> savage. 
<laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was uh, a dagger, uh, another dagger, if you will, yeah. to really get in the psyche of J.R. Smith and the Cavs. And um, I, you know, could did that have an effect? Yeah, who knows? You know, only J.R. can know that. But uh, you know, it definitely uh, you know played some role because uh, the uh, Cavs. Um, I thought, well, I think LeBron, to me, was more passive in the beginning, you know, and you could tell by his assist total because, hey, yeah. you know, Kevin Love made a few shots. George Hill made a few shots. Um, so the assist total was up. Um, but on the same note, you know, the the ball movement was at its best uh, for Golden State in spurts, and that's what they do, his spurts. And, um, and then when you get – Six for six shooting from JaVale McGee, you can pretty much forget it. Yeah, the Warriors super efficient in game two. Uh, he's six for six. I think Sean Livingston was also five for five. Kevin Durant has an efficient night, gets, uh, I think, what, 30 or something like that when he's on nine or 14 shooting. I mean, it's just an absolute efficient night from their stars and a couple of role plays. And, you know, even, I mean, David West hit a huge three. You know, during the course of the game, they just got timely shooting coming out of the third quarter. And to the fourth, I mean, this is a, you know, a single-digit game or a 10-point lead, I think, starting the fourth. And, you know, the Cavs keep chipping away at it, get it down to six, you know, get a chance to get it to four, and then just timely buckets by, you know, pick a, pick a, a warrior, really, you know, where somebody keep pushing it up to seven or could pushing it back to ten. And then, you know, it just goes on a sequence where it gets out of hand there at the end. I mean, so we got to talk about Steph's night. Uh, I We've been watching basketball a very long time. There are moments when he starts that stuff where I'm just like, it's going in. No matter how ridiculous it looks on its release and how he gets to that point, it's really like it's just you've never even seen anything like it before. Yeah, when he gets in a rhythm, and you can tell when that rhythm is gone uh, and he'll start shooting, you know, you, you hear the whole, uh, well, this is a heat check type of shot, you know. He's yeah, heat check. too. And then the heat check, you know, the off the dribble, seemingly, you know, one of the shots where the coaches would say, bad shot, bad shot, oh, the shot. Once it goes in, you know, it's mm-hmm. a shot you would say uh, it's not good, but then you think about who's shooting it. And, you know, if it's Steph Curry that's shooting it, uh, that changes the whole percentage of it going in. And once he gets that rhythm going, uh, he's tough to stop. And you can even tell by his movement, to me, on the court, once he hits a couple of shots, he seems to get a little quicker on the court because he's moving to get open for those shots. He's moving, coming off screens. He's running. He's passing and getting it back, step back, off the dribble. And then when he hit the the shot clock beater over Love, I was yeah. like, oh, forget it. It's over. <laughs> uh, if you can put it on the board, it was done. Lights out, yeah. whatever uh, you know, saying you want to use. It was yeah. done at that point. It's really like, I mean, what more can you do? Look, Kevin Love is not going to be first team, second team, third team, honorable mention ever on any defensive team, but he's doing yeoman works on those switches, you know. And, you know, and at that point in time, you know, I'm wondering, like, do you chase him off that three or do you let him drive to the basket? And he was kind of struggling with both of those, not determining what to do, but then he's still hitting, you know, you know, jump shots three feet behind the three-point line. I mean, and he's got a hand in his face. There's really nothing that you can do when he's going like that. 
Nothing you can do. Shake his hand and say good shot. I think Kevin Love and a lot of those uh, those three pointers, a record setting nine uh, in finals play, you know, was uh, uh, not in bad position. Like you mentioned, yeah. the hand in the face. He, uh, you know, definitely closed out on the shooter as he should do. And if he makes those shots, hey, tip your cap and say, uh, uh oh, it's going to be a long night. Yeah. Man, this is. It was just one of those moments, you know, he's setting himself up for if they win. You know, he hasn't played great in their two championships uh, that they have won. Um, And he hasn't won the MVP, uh, but Iggy gets the first one and KD gets last year's MVP. But he's setting himself up for, you know, an MVP type of performance if they wind up winning the championship. Uh, The Cavs do struggle a little bit that night, uh, although they kept the game close. uh, The Warriors kind of take a different – defensive strategy to LeBron, you know, meeting him up half court, uh, you know, sending double teams for him to get the ball out of his hand immediately. And, you know, people got to hit shots. I mean, that's pretty much it. You know, if nobody's hitting shots besides Kevin Love, Jr. has five points. Uh, you know, Rodney Hood, uh, excuse me, not Rodney Hood, we'll come to him in a second. Um, gosh, shoot, I forgot whose name I was going to say there. But he's been not getting, like, shots, you know, like people aren't getting buckets off of these things, even though he has 13 assists. You know, they're just not getting that. The big lineup with Tristan Thompson has worked. They're getting a lot of um, second chances and second chance buckets, but just overall, they're not getting that full support, and eventually they just ran out of gas. Well, I think, you know, that's where, you know, the coaching has to make an adjustment. You know, I think if LeBron's bringing the ball up and they want to double quickly to get the ball out of his hands, LeBron needs to stop bringing the ball up. The ball needs to go to your true quote-unquote point guard and uh, get it to LeBron on the wing, uh, which was an effective strategy against Boston when then you were getting the switches that you wanted. Um, I expect to see, you know, more of that or at least a mixture of that uh, heading into game three, um, you know, when Cleveland gets their home cooking uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, Yeah, I just – yeah, there's talk of um, Jordan Clarkson who's taking shots and missing uh overwhelming majority of them uh, is going to get moved out for Rodney Hood. Um, I'm hoping that they're not thinking that Rodney Hood's going to be the savior of this whole thing because uh, he's struggling. Jeff Green is struggling after playing so well in game six and game seven against Boston. Uh, he can't hit corner threes, and that's really his only job is to hit corner threes, and he's struggling mightily too. Um well, I, I think I think the moment has been, you know, if you want to say the moment has been big for anybody, maybe Jordan Clarkson might be that one uh, where the 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 finals spotlight uh, has been glaring on him. And I think, hey, uh, uh, Rodney Hood, you know, he he's been quote unquote complaining. I've never had this many DNPs in a row in my life, and mm-hmm. you know, didn't. Uh, uh, didn't want to go in and mop up time in the Eastern mm-hmm. Conference Finals and and things of that sort, you know. But hey, uh, you got you got to push whatever button you you think might help the team. And, and Ty Lue is going to go with this one. He does have the length. He does have. Uh, he is somebody that can create off the dribble, uh, mm-hmm. where most Cavaliers, you know, struggle with that creating their own shot. But he is one uh, that can do that. You know, hey, it's uh, it's a bullet they haven't fired yet in the finals, and uh, they might as well uh, let it fly because you got a no need to hang on to any bullets. You got to fire them all. 
and he does have some playoff experience as where Jordan Clarkson doesn't have any. Uh, you know, he played with the Jazz against the Warriors actually last year in playoffs. He played that great, but he at least has some playoff experience. Um, yeah, so it heads back to the queue. Um, if Cleveland gets their games again, technically what the Warriors did is what they were supposed to do. All they did was hold serve. So you head back to the queue down 2-0, like been two, down 2-0 in all these other series as well. So it's not that big of a deal. Um, but who – which game, though, coming up? So we get game three tomorrow night. Which which game is probably the most dangerous for the Cavs to lose or for the Warriors to win, game three or game four? Well, the Warriors are going to try to, to really step on the necks of the Cavs uh, in game three. They figure, hey, if we can get game three, you know, eh, game four is a, you know, we'll – We'll play, but, you know, if they win, so what kind of thing? Um, mm-hmm. You know, we'll close it out and uh, once we get home. But I think, uh, you know, it's truly a series when Cleveland wins uh, game three. Cleveland win games three, you know, it, it puts the quote-unquote pressure, you know, back in the uh, hands of Golden State uh, that, mm-hmm. yes, Cleveland has to hold serve in game four. But on the same note, it became a series again with with Cleveland winning game three. So Cleveland has to hold serve, especially game three. And then I think uh, they'll have a little more giddy up in their step going into four. Um, And then that might uh, make the Warriors think a little bit going into four. So I think game three is the game of the series. You know, at this point, uh, Cleveland has to match the intensity uh, as they did in game one. And uh, but have to play a complete 48 minutes and not 47, 56. <laughs> game one. Yeah. Um, the, this version of the Warriors have had a, uh, a very tough time coming off of big wins for themselves, that natural tendency to relax after beating somebody by 10, 15, or 20 points. Um, so I think the Cavs have to win game three. I mean, no duh. If they go down 3-0, the the prospects and percentages or whatever, not that great. But they have to go ahead and win that game, and then they'll have a, a puncher's chance when it gets to game four, when, you know, it win and if the Warriors take it seriously again. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think the Warriors, especially, you know, the 3-1, you know, comeback is always fresh. It's always there. There shouldn't be any necessary or needed motivation to get them ready to try to close this team out. You know, they went through this last year, too, where they win game three should have probably swept and then wound up getting blown out in game four in Cleveland before it heads back. But, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see how they respond in the first ten minutes. I'll be curious to see how Cleveland responds, too. You know, they're going to be hyped. Uh, the queue will be rocking, you know, but if you get in one of those things where it's going into the, you know, halftime or whatever and the Warriors within ten points, that's probably not a good look, uh, especially coming out of the third quarter. So we're definitely going to get a video game with LeBron tomorrow. Yeah, I think uh, I expect um, I'm looking at 13, 14 points in the first quarter for LeBron uh, to really get things off to a positive start for the Cavs. Uh, I expect uh, a Kyle Korver sighting. I think, uh, you know, he might get a a couple shots uh, possibly. Um, I think, you know, Kevin Love uh, will, will play better. You know, the role players, you know, tend to play well at home. At least that is the 
how things have been for the Cavs uh, this playoff. So if that trend continues, you know, you look to see, hey, that Rodney Hood, you know, getting uh, put into the mix, look for him to, to score, look for him to play well, Jeff Green to elevate his game. So, you know, I look for Cleveland. Um, again, LeBron, you know, he'll set the tone of the first quarter, um, and we'll see who follows. But uh, be ready for a uh, a Clay Thompson explosion. Um, yeah. I, uh, I think uh, he, he's ready to explode just like uh, Steph Curry did. And um, it's, it's going to be a battle in game three. But Cleveland, hey, they need to come out, come out blazing to start. Yeah. Set a tone. Yeah, they can't give them any thought that they could be in that game. Like I said, they need to be up. They need to be up big going into halftime. So, all right. All right. So, as we uh, get to the last portion of the podcast here, it's our greatest player ever as we've gone through. Uh, I think we only have four teams left after this. Uh, greatest team or greatest player ever for each NBA team. And this week lands on one of your uh, one of your other faves, only because your favorite player got traded out there, the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Phoenix Suns, a team that never won a championship, so you've got to have this kind of goofiness where you're going to have really good players, but well, yeah. maybe not somebody yeah. that wins a championship. You know, go ahead. Yeah, it's, um, you know, definitely, as you mentioned, a team that has not won um you know, the title, they, uh, you know, were in the finals uh, back in 93 uh, where Charles Barkley did get MVP. You know, you can go back in our archives and throw out a name like Alvin Adams, uh, you know, from back in the past, um, you know, as a, as an all-timer, you know, Walter Davis as an all-timer uh, for the Phoenix Suns. But it really, you know, and again, with Charles Barkley, you know, with that MVP, you know, taking the team to the finals. But I think it was pretty clear-cut, in my opinion, when you really look at the history of the Phoenix Suns, uh, you have to go with the mayor, the mayor of Sacramento uh, at this time. Uh, but uh, Kevin Johnson as the uh, number one player in Phoenix Sun history, the leading all-time scorer and assist leader uh, in Suns history, uh, and he... Um, if you think of Phoenix, you know, he's definitely one that uh, comes to mind. You know, Barkley, you know, obviously uh, great when he was there, but was only there for a short time after coming over from Philadelphia. Uh, he did some great things while he was there, but, um, you know, he just didn't do enough to get him that title. Maybe if they had beat the Bulls in 93, we might mm-hmm. be saying Charles Barkley, you know, at this time. But uh, I think Kevin Johnson is, um, I think it was pretty clear cut you know, uh, that he is the number one player in Phoenix Sun history. Well, come on, man. What about the two-time MVP? Back-to-back MVP. (laughs) Steve Nash, to me, doesn't even get into the equation. Well, I mean, he gets in the equation. Let me rephrase. He does get into the equation, um, you know, but I I don't think, again, uh, that he – is is who immediately comes to mind, you know, when you think of, you know, the history of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, he plays a role. I shouldn't say that he doesn't, but um, you know, he, you know, if you Amari Stoudemire, uh, they had a, a little stretch there, but I don't think they are um they're they're all time Phoenix Sun great, but 
they're not the greatest. I think it was pretty clear cut. I'm going with okay. with Kevin Johnson. No, that's um, my pick too. I mean, Kevin Johnson for a time there, and then again, barring injuries, you know, he was nam unstoppable there for a, a good a stretch of his career with the Phoenix Suns. Um, so yeah, I would go with him too. Uh, there's a case that and, he made that so maybe about Steve Nash is overrated. Go ahead. I, I think yeah, and that, and that's another reason. I, you know, those MVPs yeah. um, are, you know, questionable MVPs, you know, if if you want to say that, you know. He was uh, a great, uh, a very good player. He was a very good player in the D'Antoni system. You know, he and Stoudemire probably would have gone to a finals had it not been for the leaving the bench type of thing that, that cost them some players in the playoffs against the Spurs. But on the same note, or even the bloody nose issue where they couldn't stop the bleeding of Steve Nash's nose. But on the same note, uh, you know, those MVPs are are questionable in in my opinion. And, um, you know, again, I I think uh, I I would not put him uh, above Kevin Johnson, in, in my opinion. No, we're in agreement. We're good. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm poking the bear a little bit. We've had discussions about uh, those those mass MVPs are um, suspect at best, let alone back-to-back, no less. Uh, yeah. Absolutely suspect. Ridiculous. But anyway, different podcast. All right. <laughs> so as we get to here to wrapping up, um, hey, man, why did you pick the R to close us Well, we – we kind of hinted, you know, uh, we you talked about uh, Steph Curry not being a uh, Finals MVP in the previous Warriors uh, championship. You know, we could have used follow the leader, and probably many thought at this point we might be saying follow the leader for LeBron James, and you definitely still can say follow the leader in Cleveland for them to do anything must do just that, but. The song in this case is referencing uh, Steph Curry. Is uh, he is being uh, a leader uh, for the Golden State Warriors as they are up 2-0. So, you know, you can pick who, which leader you want to follow. Do you want to follow Steph Curry? Do you want to follow uh, LeBron James? But they are definitely two leaders you want to follow. And uh, right now, Steph Curry has the upper hand. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I was thinking about maybe for LeBron too, more specifically. Like y'all got to follow this dude and at least you know at least get a game. So, what's your prediction then, as Rakim starts to play us out? What's your prediction for Game Three? Uh, game Three, Cleveland, one ten, and the Golden State Warriors one oh four. It's going to be another knuckle. Uh, biter, I think they will. Uh, however, I think Cleveland will come out on top, uh, which will make game four even that much more interesting. Uh, it's been a good series. You know, again, it's been a good two games. Again, the, the score in the first game was not indicative of the game. And even the score in the second game, you know, even with uh, the, the Warriors hitting on all cylinders, it was a, a five- or seven-point game. Uh, you know, in the in the fourth quarter before yeah. a, another mini run stretched it out. So I think uh, it's been a it's been a, a, a competitive series more so than a lot of people thought, and I think it will continue to be in Cleveland. But I look for Cleveland uh, to hold serve. 
back in the land. I think we'll be uh, going back to Golden State 2-2. Uh, we'll see in uh, several days as uh, these two games will take, uh, what, five five days to to play two games. So we'll see what happens. No comment. Yeah. Um <laughs> no comment. Yeah, I, I I actually I like the Warriors tomorrow night. I really do. Um, I do think that the pressure of this situation might get to Cleveland. I do think it'll still be close, just like Game Three was last year, which came down to a, a knockdown three from KD. They wound up getting it to three zero. Um, I think I think it'll be close again. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're going to get a similar thing to last year where we go back to back to Oakland 3-1 where they get game four and, uh, you know, we'll be done in five, which was my prediction originally. So uh, I'm feeling pretty good about mine. But you know what? For basketball purposes, I hope Cleveland does win both of them. And like I said, I, I, of the NBA conspiracies, I am certain that they would love to see LeBron James host up another trophy in Cleveland before he decides to wreck and destroy whatever happens in that place when and if he leaves. But, yeah, that's what I'm going with. So, yeah, uh, predicting the Warriors to get a W tomorrow night. We'll see what happens. All right. So as Rakim plays the South, it'll be a day to find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Rate, review, subscribe. Um, I, I, I was going to throw in this bit about somebody need to do something about Kendrick Perkins. Somebody need to tell him something. It ain't going to be me because I certainly don't want any of that heat. But somebody needs to tell Kendrick Perkins to uh, pipe down a little bit, man. He's not even in uniform. And uh, yeah, that is, that's precisely why Cleveland brought him brought him on this at this point of the season as a practice player and as uh, you know an enforcer, you know, on the sideline as a leader. Maybe he should have told uh, you know J.R. Smith they had a timeout or something else as a leader. But, <laughs> but that's precisely why why they brought him on at the end of the year. Uh, it's for that toughness, for that leadership and practice. Whether he's dressed or not, that's why he's there. But, um, you know, again, this is a different era. I don't think there is an enforcer really on the Warrior team to say anything to him. Maybe David West, but that's about it. Yeah. I'd pay to see that, actually. Very good. All right, so uh, Will Sack, tell him what it is. You can find me, Will Sacks, that's at Will Sacks on IG, or you can find me at Mr. Waters 77. Let me know what you think of the podcast or what you even think of my choices, the best Phoenix Sun of all time. I'm still going with KJ, but uh, let me know what you think as Rakim continues to play it out. Hey. All right, so again, you'll be able to find me as producer at Rose Comics, um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, B-R-O-T-H-A-S-C-O-M-I-C-S. And that's it, all right, man. Let's get ready for game three tomorrow night. Uh, I'm sure I'll be texting you during the game. All right, I'm going to see you on the other side. Bill Stacks is out. Peace, everybody. Follow me from century to century. You remember me in history, not a mystery or memory. I call by nature, my race in Asia. Since you was tricked, I have to raise you from the cradle to the grave. But remember, you're not a slave. Those rules were here to be much more than that. But we couldn't see because our mind was trapped. But I'm here to break away the chains, take away the pains, remake the brains, rebuild my name. I guess nobody told you a little knowledge is dangerous. It can't be mixed, diluted, it can't be changed, the switch. Here's a lesson if you're guessing and following. Hurry, hurry, step right up and keep following the leader. Follow the leader, I can't see. Follow the leader, I can't see. Follow the leader, I can't see. Follow the leader.
verified freestyle, lyrics of fury. My third eye make me shine like jury. You're just a renter rapper, your rhymes are minimum made. I'll be here when it fade. I watch it flip like a renegade. I can't wait to break and eliminate on every trade of a snake, so stay awake and follow and follow because the tempo's a trail. The stage is a cage, the mic is a third rail. I'm Rock Kim, the fiend of a microphone. I'm not him, so leave my mic alone. Soon as the beat is felt, I'm ready to go. So fasten your seatbelt, cause I'm about to flow. No need to speak, slow down and let the leader lead. Word to daddy, indeed, the R's are roller stone, so I'm rolling. Directions is told, then the rhymes are stolen. Stop bugging, a brother said, dig him. I never dug him, he couldn't follow the leader long enough, so I drug him. It's a danger zone, he should arrange his own face to space it, erase it, change the tone. It's one R in the alphabet, it's a one letter word, and it's about to get more complex from one rhyme to the next. Every D be easy on the flex. I've been from stage to state, followers tailgate, keep coming, but you came too late, but I'll wait. So back up, regroup, get a grip, come equipped, you're the next contestant. Clap your hands, you want a trip. The price is right, don't make a deal too soon. How many notes get the name this tune? Follow the leader is a title theme task. Now you know you don't have to ask. Rappers rhythm and poetry cuts create sound effects. You might catch up if you follow the records he wrecks. Until then, keep eating and swallowing. You better take a deep breath.